0: Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. We are almost to 2019. Can you believe it? Right? Almost there. Um, uh, if you guys don't know me, my name's Chris, one of the pastors here at Kessin. We're actually going to jump right in uh, this morning. Um, we're going to go on a little journey here today together, okay? But we're going to do it together. And here's the idea. Um, there was a conversation that was started some 2,000 years ago, and it's, I think, very applicable to this time of year. As we look forward, there's, there's almost, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but there's almost this opportunity for reset, every year as we move into a new year. And uh, the Apostle uh, Paul kind of talked a little bit about this, about this life of a Christian and how we are to live it and a little bit of what it means to live in this life. And so we're going to take some time and uh, <laughs> I'm going to let him preach the message here today. And I'm just going to be going to be your guide through that journey um, a little bit. But here's what I'm going to ask as we dive into this. Um, has anyone here started to think about a New Year's resolution or a goal or anything else? Okay, don't worry, I won't make you share it. All right, I'm going to ask you to pause it. All right, doesn't mean you won't do it. All right, we may get done with this conversation, and you all will be all the more um, burdened to to pursue that goal. But what I want to do is I want to invite Paul to come teach for us here today, because often when we read the Bible. Uh, we have to do a lot of work to interpret 2,000 years ago, and we have to look at context and the people and the conversations. I think today's not one of those times. I think today Paul's going to speak directly to us into our context, and I, I truly trust that as we read today, I, my job is to get out of the way and let him speak directly uh, to you. And then your job is to go, okay, as I, as I have this opportunity for reset going into the new year, And I have these goals and I have these ambitions. I'm asking you to kind of hold them a little bit loosely. And see if what he shares and the Holy Spirit shares in you might inform them a little bit. Sound good? Okay. All right. Before we do that, if it's okay with you, I want to share an embarrassing story about myself. All right? Is that that all right? Uh, Get us going a little bit? Okay. So uh, when I was a much younger young man... Right? I had a job and I worked at a condo place and I worked in maintenance. And one of my jobs at that place was working the trash and working the trash compactor. And we had this continuous problem that would happen. People would bring their trash down, they'd put it in uh, the trash bin. But then also, people would bring down like, their old barbecues, they would bring down their old uh, uh, like lawn uh, chairs, every, just giant things, and they would just park them and leave them there right? And we didn't, I couldn't fit them in the trash compactor, and so I didn't know what to do. So we ended up calling uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, right? And they would come down and charge a ridiculous amount of money for grabbing this barbecue and lawn stuff and everything else. And so I have always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit to me, and so I saw an opportunity. And my dad had a truck, and I called my boss, and I said, hey, what if you pay me like half as much as you're paying them? Now, you pay me directly, and I'll just go take it to the dump, right? And they were, like, sold, right? So I'm really excited. I go pick up my dad's S10 little pickup, which, if you know what an S10 is, it's not the right truck for the job, right? Again, entrepreneurial, didn't stop me, okay? So I loaded that truck as much as you, like, Clamp-It style, like, as multiple barbecues, like, like, ridiculous. And I, at least at, the, at one point, was like, this could be a problem, right? And so I had a solution. So I grabbed a big tarp and I wrapped everything up and I wrapped the tarp around and everything. And I was like, okay, crisis averted, right? And so I head out on the freeway and I start driving down 205 and about halfway there right, I'm in the middle end of 205, I hear a sound, right? <clears throat> sound. I had another great idea earlier, which when we had... Too much stuff, and I didn't want to take two trips. It's a little bit like when you're coming home from the grocery store. You just want to get all those bags in at once, right? I didn't want to take two trips. So my great idea was, what if I just drop the tailgate, and I can fit more things going that way, right? It gets better, right? On top of that, I had never owned a truck. I didn't know how to use, like, toe straps very well or anything. And so I did an amazing job, by the way, wrapping toe straps all around the stuff but apparently you're supposed to also tie that to the truck at some point. Yeah, let the visual sink in. I'm driving down the freeway and I hear this sound and a look in my rear view mirror and this tarp that was supposed to be my salvation turned into a parachute. And it caught air and I watched as it went err, 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 and it pulled every single thing in the back of my truck out onto the middle of 205, okay? Sink it, just let it sink in, all right? Come into the truck with me right now. I'm driving, I don't know what to do, all right? So I drive a little bit farther and I just pull over and everything hit and spread to where, again, if you can drone view this thing, okay? Look at where I'm at, all right? I'm up like a couple hundred yards up, pulled off to the side of the road, There is an entire freeway full of barbecues and everything else, and then every car on 205 is stopped, all right? That's me, and I have a decision to make. What do I do, all right? Got an angel on this shoulder and a devil on this shoulder, and I'm like, I could probably make a run for it, (laughs) but I did the right thing, and I called 911. Now, I wasn't completely honest when I called 911. Again, younger Chris, all right? So I I just said, hey, someone dumps some stuff on 205. (laughs) you might want to call somebody, right? And they started asking me questions, where this is at, and then eventually she asked the question, which is, did you get a look at who did this or their license plate? And I sat there, and again, I'm looking at the angel and the devil, and I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, I answered correctly, and then finally I said, it was me. (sighs) About two or three minutes later, a police officer shows up, and it was like the longest two or three minutes of my entire life. He starts hucking things up, and just one by one, think of how long that would take, one guy just hucking stuff off, and he moves it, and then he starts traffic, and then one by one, all right, because I'm not that far ahead, one by one, every single person just comes by and stares at me and gives me this, like, look of shame and judgment and meanness and all the above, and I had to endure that, all right, you can, you can, you can have a heart for me in this, all right? And then eventually the police officer came up and just was like, what were you thinking? Right? And to which I just said, give me the ticket. Right? Just like, I, I just was done being in that situation. And I learned an incredible lesson. An incredible lesson. My early 20s self. I wish I could say I was like 16, but I wasn't. Right? <laughs> but I learned this incredible lesson that most of you guys know, which is this. It isn't just that you attach something well, but you had, if you... If you have precious cargo that you need to move, right, you need to connect. Well, you need to also connect it to something strong, right, to anchor it to something deep that can hold that, right? I learned an incredible lesson there. I share this story. In this 2018, I've attempted to, when I uh, spend most of my time in the Bible, in the New Testament. And what I've tried to do is not just zoom into stories and, and as much like, individual interactions, but I've tried to zoom out and look at the grand narratives. And one of them I saw continuously was this. When Jesus taught over and over and over again, his his goal wasn't just love for this person. Was a, there was a deeper goal in, involved in that. And he, he spoke into where people were connected to things, to people, to their view of God, their view of themselves, right? And he continually spoke into people in a place where they had a connection that wasn't going to work for the long term right you see him speak to the rich young ruler and he said you have an unhealthy connection to your money and possessions this young man came to him wealthy and said i want to follow you with my life and jesus looked at him and looked at the connection that he had with those possessions and he said that stuff's got to go before you can ever give your full self to me because you can't your full self isn't here all right He spoke to the religious leaders and he said, you have an unhealthy connection to the law where you are are almost obsessed with following the rules, the letters to a T and and Jesus saying, you're missing the love and the grace that's the foundation of all of it. He speaks to his own disciples and he says, you have an unhealthy connection even to your own importance as you usher kids away from me, as you argue about who's going to be the first in the kingdom. You're missing out. And what's important here, the type of connection that's going to bring life and get you where you need to go. So Paul talks about this in the New Testament in the, in the book of Galatians. And I, and I read the book of Galatians in a new kind of um, way this week. I actually read it in the message version, which is not where I'd normally read the Bible. And... Uh, this was one of those times where I felt like the words of the Bible didn't need a lot of interpretation, as I said earlier. I just needed to read it and let it sink in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Paul teach us a little bit, and then we're just going to dive into what this means for our life. Okay, We're going to dive into Galatians 5, verse 1, and we're going to go on from there. And It says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit, for in Christ neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything what matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. And a few verses later he says this. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. He said, when you serve one another in love, the natural product of that is freedom. And so the idea is that l- love is not our end goal. Love is actually the vehicle to our end goal. Love, when expressed in the right way and at the right time, creates the opportunity freedom. Now, there's a reason I say opportunity, because it doesn't just make freedom. You have to willingly walk into it. That's part um, of the whole deal. Now, when we look, so let's, we're going to do a couple different mini journeys inside of our journey together. So the first one is to understand we talk a, a lot about love here at Kessid and hopefully in any faith community, right? But here's the crazy thing, and you've probably heard this before. Um, we have one word for love in our English language. And so um, there's certain. that I really love Black Rock coffee. Like, I really like it. Or I, I, sorry, I love it. I also love my wife. I love my son. I love our dog, Max. Right? I love reading books. Okay? And so the only way I have right now is adding like a really in that, I really love my wife, and I just love Black Rock. Right? That's not, that's not a very efficient or um, uh, effective way of communicating. The New Testament, written in Greek, has different ways of communicating love has different words for this, right? Ancient Greek had four words to describe the range of meaning that our word love conveys. So if we're we're moving into this with this understanding that love given at the right time and the right way produces freedom, then our job is to understand what is the right time and the right way to show love. First of which, agape. This is unconditional and sacrificial love. This is God type of love. This is the kind of love that you can't wash off that says, I've got you, I'm with you. You didn't earn this love. I just shower you in it, right? Every single person as a Christ follower in this room is showered in agape love. You are given it freely. This is beautiful. This is love that is hard to explain because, again, we didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. It was given to us. Next is phileo. This is friend love, right? I don't know if you have a love like a a best friend, a BFF, right, in life, or anyone that serves in that role. Sometimes spouse can serve in that role. But it's some, I, I like using the word joy around this. Someone, you just enjoy life around this person, right? You have anybody that you can just look at and you have like a joke already happening between your brains <laughs> going on, right? That's one aspect of it. And the beautiful thing about these love is there's an infinite amount of variations of them, Right? Sometimes we have just a friendship love where we're just seen. Someone sees us. I have a friend. um, He's here. I won't look at him. His name's Ben, but he always comes up and asks me. He said, what book have you read lately? And he knows that I'm a nerd and we're nerds together, right? And he knows that I have just been itching to talk to somebody about whatever I just read. I love, like, it's kind of one of my things is reading and learning and um, really crazy and obscure stuff. But like, It's one of my weird ways, as a friend, I feel very seen when someone's like, what did you already learn, Harry? And all of us are unique in this way, but friends have this way of like seeing that in us and just saying, we just have this beautiful connection together. Storge is family love. Often this is kind of a parental type of love right? This is a love that says, I'm going to sacrifice on your behalf. This is the kind of love that says, no matter what's going on in between us, we might have conflict, but you're coming over for Thanksgiving and we're sharing a turkey leg, right? It doesn't matter, all right? It doesn't matter if we don't see eye to eye that you're mine and I'm yours. We're, we're linked together. And finally, eros. This is romantic and emotional type love. This is, this is um, if I can be honest, Our culture right now has kind of flipped this upside down, and often our our culture starts with eros, romantic love. And it says to build a foundation of love off of that instead of starting from the other way around. And so what the New Testament tells us is there's different ways, different variations of each of these types of love. And your job and your loving connections is to find the right one at the right time. But we have a problem in this. If love creates freedom... We have a problem because freedom is a moving target, right? Freedom is a moving target. So uh, maybe somebody in this room has a teenager, right? Or you are a teenager in this room. And maybe you have seen, if you have a 13-year-old, you have seen a crazy change happen between 10 and 13, right? Anyone felt that in their own life between 10 and 13, Right? So there's this crazy thing that happens when you start, and with a 10-year-old, you're basically bringing mostly parental love to them. You're giving guidance, support, encouragement, right? But then as they become like teenagers and they get a little bit older, there's this weird things that has to happen. And it is our job, Jesus and and Paul tell us, to acknowledge the shift, right? Where, yes, I'm supposed to bring my parental love, but I have to shift also kind of into a friend space as well. And I have to, to create the space for them to become their own person, right? If I stay just in a parental role, all, they're going, all I'm teaching them is to come back to me to know what to do. The problem is, at 37, that becomes a, a real problem, right? And so this is the unique perspective. Our job is to pay attention, right? How many uh, husbands in the room, um, if you've ever... <laughs> there's, this, there's this drive in us, if we notice maybe our spouse or someone that we love crying, all right, our first thing is, who do I punch, right, because we just want to solve the problem, and oftentimes, we just want to walk in and say, tell me the problem, and it's a math equation, so you tell me what's wrong, and I'm going to tell you two what's right, and that's going to equal one more what's right than what's wrong, and we're good, can we move on, all right, so many of you ladies just shook your head as I looked at that, right, because the problem is, is us as husbands, we come in in a parental role of, of, um, we think wisdom, but not, Right? And what you're asking for is more of an agape love that just says, I'm with you no matter what. Right? I know the answer's there, and, and I'm going to be an encourager to you, but it's not my job to fix it for you. It's your job to find it, and I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader of your life to find it. And so this is the hard thing, guys, is that it, freedom moves around, our, and we have to stop, and we have to adjust, and we have to assess, and we have to kind of take inventory of what, okay, what does love look like now? what would it look like in this space? Because yesterday it looked like this. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I, we were best buddies, but now she's going through this thing in her family, and now my job isn't to bring a joke right now. My job is just to bring my presence. And so that over and over and over again, this is the life of the church. And see, us as a church, our job is to be a living example of this. Our job is to show the world what living in freedom looks like. We have some problems with this, though. I think we would all have to be honest and say, I don't live every second of my life completely free. And I don't even know how to get there. Paul continues in verse 16. He says, This, my counsel is this live freely animated, and motivated by God's Spirit, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. He says one of the things you need to notice that if you're if you are being loved well, and you're receiving love well, and even loving yourself, and well, we're going to get into that a little bit later, one of the fruits is going to be freedom. And in that freedom, freedom expels selfishness. It expels it, right? Again, as a church, we have to admit and we have to get this through our minds and our hearts that we are literally living in a counterculture here. We have to create a counterculture that the currents are moving in different directions even though the outside current of this world wants us to move in a certain direction. So depending on where you go right now, right? Most of the places, most of the businesses that you go to, the movies that you're going to see, everything is catered to get your attention, right? To get your money, right? So they want you to feel good, right? All I want, I want this thing out. They're not going for freedom for you. That's not the end game. The end game is your finances or your attention or your information or anything, right? We need to be aware of this, and if we're not careful, right, the expectations that we have for the businesses that we interact with and the things that we interact with and the entertainment that we interact with, they, they get projected into this space, but this space is supposed to be different, and when I talk about this space, I'm not just talking about this room. I'm talking about all the spaces in between us as Christ followers, our relationships. This needs to be different, and that's hard because that means we have to be so perceptive and so aware that I'm not just, I'm not just going along with the flow. Um, this week, we came across a video. We actually watched it as a staff and chuckled a little bit um, about just how that could even come into the church, so I want to watch a little video that I think you guys uh, will like and laugh at a little bit, and then we're going to talk about what that means um, for our lives, all right? So check this out.
1: Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Wanna go forth for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, An option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance.
0: Be honest, how many of you are like, is this real? Like, can I sign up for that right now? Oh my goodness, the skinny jeans is what got me. (laughs) Living in freedom is incompatible with selfishness. First Corinthians tells us that love does not insist on its own way. You know, if we're not careful, even the, the beautiful expression that we have as we come together becomes, well, an insistence on our own way, right? Uh, every once in a while, we have the most amazing worship team, but every once in a while, someone will have a critique about worship, right? And, and they'll share something that they didn't like, and I'll just ask, um, well, how did God feel about it? And they'll kind of look like this, and i was like, well, it it wasn't for you in the first place, right? But isn't it so easy to go to that space? Because that is the rhythm of our culture, is that it is about me. And we have to actively push against that, right? We are in bondage even to our own selfishness. We need to be aware of this. Beyond this, we need to be aware of this in our own relationships. Thomas Merton said, the beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our image. Maybe you've never said this before, all right? But maybe you've thought it, or deep down in your own words thought it, but you've been in a conflict with someone that you loved, and deep down you're like, this would be a lot better if you were just like me, all right? (laughs) The reality, that's... That's not the way in which God created this world to live. He has given us a uniqueness that is beautiful. But it takes a specific skill and art, and I would even say discipline, to be able to acknowledge that and encourage it in others. It takes a specific type of freedom to know who you are and say, I'm rooted in who I am. I know who I am. And you're like that, and I'm like this, and that's okay. And I'm not here to get your approval, right? I would love it. Right? I would love to be connected to you in a way, but so many of us, we have, these, we have these bondages. We have these connections that are not doing justice to us, and Paul talks about that as well. He says this in verse 19 through 21. It says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. And I'm going to read this, and again, receive it right, as Paul talking to you. You're, there's something for you in here, I promise. He says this, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never-satisfied wants— a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Look at your social media pages, by the way. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This is 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. But luckily he says there's hope. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic Holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I'm just going to get out of the way and let him speak. This is why I asked you to pause your goals for the next year, right? Is a six-pack going to be a good way to marshal and direct our energies wisely, is it going to give you freedom? I'm not saying it's not, right? But is there a way to ask, to frame the question a little differently? Not how do I get fit in this new year, but how do I have freedom in my own body? How do I have freedom in my appearance? How do I have freedom from the comparisons that I have for the rest of this world and the people around me? What would freedom look like for me? Maybe another way to ask the question, and maybe this is where your goals and your ambitions for the new year should come out of. Where am I not free? Where am I not free? The fruit of love is freedom. Um, Christians, and and I was a culprit of this, Christians... We come here and, and we end up with a mission, and that's a really good thing. We end up with someone to go and love. But as I kind of prayerfully looked at this, uh, I felt like this is something I needed to share. Yes, we need to grow and learn how we are, are aware about the intricate way in which we are to love the ones around us really well, and that's a really good thing. But as I kind of looked around and, and, and took inventory, I saw an epidemic of a lack of a, agape, unconditional love of ourselves, that there is this angst that's present, not just in the world, but in our churches as well, that just this, I, I'm not secure, and I wish it was different. There's this consistent message that I'm not enough, and that I'm not good enough, and I'm not farther, I'm farther um, I should be farther along in the journey. Now, Paul, he started the conversation by saying, you are free so that's you are free and then he said so live in it that becomes the hard part alright I don't think, if you're a Christ follower here I don't think you're arguing with me that Christ has set you free but the but the 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 really hard journey is to live that way and so each and every one has a little bit of homework leaving here today Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. Check this out. Work out its implications in every detail of your lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Friends, healthy individuals don't make healthy communities, healthy communities make healthy individuals. All right? So we've been talking about this for a while, and it is, it is not on a whim that we say this. We, looking at the, at the community of Kesed, there is, a, there is a stirring that has to happen here before we can really do it out there. I firmly believe this, that we can only take someone else as far as we've gone ourselves, and there is still work to be done here. There is a freedom that we need to enter into and to live into. I sat with a friend today, this last week, and they asked this question, they said, you know what what would you recommend for me and I know them very well and they're one of the most servant-hearted people in the world and I said maybe a, a healthy thing would be to get a, a note out on your phone and write down every time you do something you didn't want to do right and ask the question why did I wow in that moment I wasn't free I felt a compulsion to do something I didn't want to why is that Others of us, right? Others of us that are loving sharers in the room, right? You might need to start to ask the question, when did I share that my opinion wasn't asked for? Right? There is a freedom out there for us, but I promise it's on the other side of wherever you're not free. And it's in stepping into that space, inviting others into that space. Right? Right? You may need to draw a little circle around yourself metaphorically over this new year and say, what would it look like to live in self-love? What would it look like to live in radical acceptance of myself? Others of us need to draw a little bit of a bigger circle and add in the people in which God has called us to love. And we need to ask the question, what should love look like right now? This person has changed, they're in this new season of life. And so I just keep going back to what I know and my, my default patterns, right? But maybe, just maybe spouses need to sit with each other and actually say, What should love look like right now to you? What would bring you freedom? Where are you not free? That's the sort of foundation I believe that God wants to build in our community and take that out to the rest of the world. But why would he send people that aren't free to go give freedom to others? I don't think he would. And so if you sit in this space and you, you know that you're not free, just one, let's, let's admit that we're, we're together in this, like all of us can raise our hand in some area of that, but know that the next goals of your life, I hope, whatever it is, that freedom is the end game, and that in that freedom, you realize that you create a wake for others to experience and live and, and exist in that freedom as well, but, but Paul said this this is the hard part guys because you know when I was growing up and there was like a math book I could go to the back and at least every other answer like answer was in the back but he says this work out its implications in every detail of our lives I can't do this for you right or would you want me to even your greatest loved ones all they can be is a mirror for what needs to happen next this is what needs to happen next. I promise for some of us, we spent, we spent more time wrapping Christmas presents than we'll think about every detail of the love that we're going to send out in this world, even to ourselves. So what would it look like to get disciplined in this area? <laughs> to invite the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And I'll, I'll just close with this. Often where I see freedom lacking in my own life and the world around me, that's where my ministry lies. Often we're, whatever breaks my heart should break it open, right? But I, I promise, friends, I just feel I need to. <laughs> there are messages that we are carrying right now that are keeping you from being free. There are narratives that you picked up along the way somewhere. and. And for many of us, and this is one of the hard things, guys, it's not going to be a one-time thing Over, I just pray and God releases me of that. Because he knows, by the way, that the human journey is generally to be set free and go right back into what we know. So there has to be a long-term commitment to this freedom. Right, for some of this is counseling meeting with pastors, getting into a small group, getting into a rooted group. We have Emotionally Healthy Spirituality coming. We have Financial Peace University coming in the new year. There are ample, there's Bible studies, there are ample opportunities for you to get into a space. And for a lot of us, we we don't want to start that because it doesn't seem perfect, right? It's not exactly what we think is wrong with us. But here's the thing. You're a really bad diagnoser of what you need. We often need a community of others that can speak in and hold up that mirror for us for us to get the actual direction that we need. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear fear robs freedom. And we're not gonna live in that place anymore. All right? So here's what we wanna do. I'm just gonna pray to close our time together. We're going to believe, as John 8 tells us, that if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. That you are free indeed. All right? It's a space that we live. It's not a place that I was. All right? It's the place that I live in. And your job is to find where you're not free. All right? Let's pray. Lord, I want to live in your freedom and I freely admit that that's not where I always reside. But it is in my willingness to admit that, it is in my willingness to step into that really scary place of trusting that you meet me in my brokenness, you meet me in my fears, you meet me in my places of bondage, you meet me in my connections and my attachments, my relationships that I continually go back to and I ask them, to bring me salvation, and they were never equipped to do so. I lean back into you, but hopefully, Lord, I do so in a new way. I risk out, and I I don't go back to what I've always known, but I move into this new freedom that I'm not sure how to live in, but I know that you meet me in that place, and each step you walk with me with your agape covenantal love. And so as we take this time and process, I i I ask that everyone here takes their homework seriously to work this out in their own lives and in their own relationships, Lord. Because I know you're doing it with us and I know you're doing it with me. Father, we give you this time. We give you this worship. In Jesus' name we pray.